cold. So if I start sounding stuffed up, I'm on some pretty good meds. But if I sound stuffed up, it's because I am stuffed up. are literally the worst. I, they should be illegal. Well, I just told somebody, I haven't gotten sick in three years. And then I got sick because that's Murphy's Law. So true. So I didn't get to tell you, but... There's just too many. I can't see you because I'm. I I I feel like you need to sit there, but we're not gonna move. No, I'm not so, moving. I love no, you. I know. <laughs> I'm just gonna try to oh move what audio are you technica. Doing? I'm gonna come in from this aid. I totally chugged that. Oh, is that me? Was that me? Was that you? That was you making that noise. Oh, sorry. All right, phones off. Phones off. Off. Okay. So, okay, let's pretend. Let's, oh. pl- let's play pretend. Let's <laughs> pretend that I'm your counselor because you went in for... Oh, we're doing that first? Okay, let's Don't you go. think we should? I don't care. Amber survived her first counseling in seven years, eight years. Really? It's seven. been that long? See, it's Maybe only been... Maybe it been less. It could have been less. I blocked it all out. So, yeah, how, how was that? Um, well, I know it was good because I'm so tired today and you do hard work. Like therapy for me is exhausting because it's so raw. So last night I texted all my close people and were like, please pray for me because I need to sleep. And, um, I took some meds to see that would help me sleep and I did sleep, but like, Kurt was worried. He's like, "What is she on anything? Maybe she shouldn't have taken something." It was. It was fine. I don't think so. It was fine. It was over the counter. Um. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm drinking bubbly. Um. So it was good. I walked in, and we will never say her name. So I, I'm seeing a psychologist because I feel like a PhD is important for the level <laughs> of mentalness I am. Um. <laughs> It's time for the team effort. I needed, I need lots of degrees, like all the degrees, all the letters after the name. And so she was very, very nice. Oh, Emma's calling me. Sorry, Em. Um, we can take a pause. I can just cut it. Hold on. All right, pause. Okay, so the so thing. So it was your first, your first trip time. back to a counselor in almost a, a decade? No, less than a decade. I mean, I go every couple like five or six years for a checkup. I haven't been for a while though because I've been pretty stable. I've been doing okay. Yeah. I have a good community, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So she... It's always weird going back. I've gone back a couple new. times and it's like, yeah, a new person, you have to start from for scratch. A, and that was the hard part. So yeah. that's pretty much what she, what I did yesterday was like kind of... Lay the base. Lay out the layers. base. And I... <laughs> Did you cry through the whole thing? A lot of it. So many tears. Mm. So many tears. So, and because she asked really good questions. So, like, it was really Mm. hard and exhausting. And um, I left. Yeah, so that's what we did. And she said, you know, I'm going back. And we're going to start deep diving in. But she, one of the things that she said, her nibble of truth to me this time was I kept saying how I feel so 
upset and frustrated that I feel like I'm down at the bottom again and like Mm. I've done so much work Mm -hmm. in my life and I'm like and here I am back in therapy like when feeling so broken and she was so good and she said that when we are under stress and when we face really hard challenges sometimes we 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 get a little stuck but it doesn't mean that we didn't do the work still like Mm -hmm. it's not an erasing of all your work so like Mm -hmm. it's not like a big white out pen just did all that Mm -hmm. and I was like okay and she's like no I really want you to hear that like Mm -hmm. you're okay you've done a lot of hard work in your 20s and in your 30s and now you're in your 40s and we're going to keep doing some hard work but it's not we're not starting from scratch right I love that that's exactly kind of how I feel and that was really traumatized and you feel like that five-year-old girl again Mm -hmm. but you're not Mm -hmm. and now you've got this sort of compounded wisdom I'm sorry there's a fly in the background it's driving me crazy my OCD is going ping, 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 all the things. There's a fly. Hopefully it doesn't record the fly. I I hope it does, just because I think it would be funny. Oh, okay. I, I that, you know, that five-year-old girl yes. is there, but also now the 44-year-old woman. Who's protecting. And that's what she kept saying, was like, you are protecting your, your young self by coming back here. And that mm. was really validating. She was very good. I can tell I'm going to learn a lot from her. Um, One thing I was really impressed with, she asked me the book I was reading and she wants to read it, which I was like, wow. Mm. Um, Which book is that? I'm reading a book called Surviving a Borderline Parent. It was given to me as a recommendation by Mm. some people that were in the situation that I'm not allowed to talk with my grandmother. Mm. So... That was super, um, and it, that's been, so anyway, I came home a little bit like, actually I went right, ran some other errands and I came home and I was like a little zombie-y and I mm-hmm. actually called my sister. I didn't call anybody else. Even Peter was like, hey, how'd it go? And I was like, um, you're in between meetings and this isn't something I could talk about in between meetings. So I'm just going to get frustrated. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, that's fair. And I said, it was good. It was good. But I, I'm st- I still need to chew on it. And I actually got in my car, drove to my classroom, which is 45 minutes away, set mm. up my classroom, moving furniture while talking to my sister Hmm. So I was on the phone with my sister probably two hours processing it with her because wow. she's the only other person that understands mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. in that realm. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. It was really good talking to her. It was really good listening to her. She was, And it's so interesting because she is going through almost the exact same things, which mm-hmm. is what I have found so f- w- crazy. Mm-hmm. I get to go see her next week and I'm expe- excited to spend time with her. But like for us, what we're both kind of dealing with is the fact that so my grandmother died hmm, almost just shy of a month ago. So we're almost at four weeks. Wow. Um, everybody else seems to just be moving on and it. I'm not like I'm I'm in. I am in some realms, but my brain isn't yet still. And how me and my sister are like 
still processing the mindset of the last woman. I will say woman because we do have men that love us well. But the last woman that ever gave us maternal love is mm-hmm. no longer on earth. And like neither of us don't know how to. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to put that in a box. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure this is similar to losing a parent. If Like... Mm-hmm. Because of her, our relationship with her. Um, so right. You're the last, you're the, now you're the end. We're, she, she's it. She was it. She was the last one who mm-hmm. showed us unconditional love, encouragement, you know, thinking that we were the bee's knees, like those kinds of things. The last maternal figure that we had that's older than us. Like, um, both of us feel very um, stuck in that. The big thing I realized in counseling is my anger. I have a lot of mm. rage and anger. A lot that's so, bubbling. <laughs> let's talk about that. What is that? Oh. How did you find that out? Was that something that was that feedback that your counselor was giving you? Not really. Like she just asked the questions. And I think it kind of just came out of nowhere because it, for me, there were two parts of it. One, like, oh gosh, I don't know how much I can say because things, but like, so my grandmother was in a situation with my mother and it was deemed unhealthy very quickly by an outside agency. Enough said. And they got involved. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm so pissed that I made it 18 years living in that same environment and no one rescued me. I think that's mm-hmm. where my anger is. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, how did this happen? Like how, you know, and my sister and I both feel that. Like we were both like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And so we had all these aunts and uncles and cousins and bystanders that saw the crazy and we're just like either looked away because it was just too complicated and they didn't want to get involved or they Mm. they kind of almost like bullies like you don't you kind of like defer because you don't want they don't they don't want the wrath on them so Mm -hmm. we'll just kind of I don't know, but I just have a lot. I I think you and I are so we were born in the late 70s and I know for a fact that domestic abuse was not even recognized by any organizations until the seventies. So you and I were born when in, in the decade where, where people were just starting to um, step in at a legal level Mm -hmm. for anyone in the home who was being abused, whether it was a wife, a child or a husband. Right. And I think for me, the other part that's like, so like, but which I get, I do get that. But I was also a child of the 80s and of the 90s and no one seemed to give up. No, I'm just saying that like, right. Crap. Right. Even my family that knew you, like, I remember you saying that you were being abused. And why didn't I, as a child that was the same age as you, be like, shouldn't someone do something about that? Like, why didn't I have that thought in my head, I wonder? I right. mean. Right. I don't know. I don't know why any. And I, and I, and that's the thing. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I'm not 
that's the thing. Like I like the rational part of my brain is not mad at anyone really, but the the emotional part of my brain is so heartbroken mm. that because all that does is feed the narrative that I am not worthy of to be loved and cared for, mm. you know. And so things that normally don't bother me, that's what me and my sister were talking about. Things that normally don't bother me are really bothering me. Like I saw that mm. family from away, this is why I got rid of all the social media and I'm sticking to it. Like someone from far away, a, a family from far away came and my whole family – of one of my vestiges of parents, because you know I got a lot of them, mm-hmm. of my wacky family tree, they all got together and had breakfast together, and I wasn't invited. And it's just like, mm. why doesn't anyone think that I might want to be loved? Like, what is that? Like, and that was, that is the internal battle that I was like, mm. why? And they don't, they're just living their life. And that, and I can't, you know, and I don't put a lot of effort into that side of the family because mm-hmm. it's awkward and it's weird. So, like, mm-hmm. I know, I know factually why I probably wasn't invited to the to the breakfast, mm-hmm. but it still hurts like hell. Right, like it really burns that I'm not, and it hurts that mm. I feel so insignificant mm-hmm. to people who are supposed to think I'm significant, like. Mm-hmm. So that's a really hard thing to wrap your brain around. And that's what me and my sister both really feel. Like we see other families hmm. that think, even even when I used to be in your family, like I was definitely part of your family, but I wasn't in your family. Like mm-hmm. I was as close as most people could get. But it's mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. I'm not on the sibling text, which I am I'm not annoyed by, but I'm not because I'm not your actual sibling, right? Like, right. and sometimes your family gets together and they have a bonfire. You guys have a bonfire and you burn things. And sometimes I'm invited and sometimes I'm not. And it doesn't mean you don't love me. Mm-hmm. It's just that I'm not actually in your family, mm-hmm. but I see things like that and I go, I don't get that. Like, mm. unless somebody else invites me in, I don't get a bonfire. Like, that's mm-hmm. not an option in my life. Mm-hmm. And 95% of the time, that's totally fine because mm-hmm. I have, I do have a community and I am super duper blessed. But right now, I'm a little fragile. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I'm really ticked at mm-hmm. that I'm never invited. And I'm really ticked that I'm not. Mm. But I know that that's because I'm I'm working on stuff. You know what I mean? It's, I do know what you mean. I felt the same way when I had kids because... Um, I don't know. I thought that it was going to be different as far as like some family pressing in. Right. And I, I, I came to a realization pretty darn quick and it was a big flat landing Mm. that only I loved my baby as much as I did. Yep. And no one else thought he was that special. And then the ones well, that and did. you wouldn't let us hold them. <clears throat> well, and the ones that did, I I just thought there was going to be. Right. I thought there was going to be more involvement. Um, I know. It's and hard. It's so it's when those things, when when that happens, when like, I don't know, like there were just some. There were some people that pressed in that 
I expected. And then there were other people that didn't that you were kind of shocked. By. I was shocked. And and then there were other people even that didn't that actually said, you know, we don't really want you here because now it's sort of an inconvenience right. now that you have like a baby and a toddler. And then I remember being like, life is so different in actualness than that dream that we have thinking of the future, Mm -hmm. first of all, whether it's a trip or a day or sometimes it happens. I would say what, what percentage does it actually, what, when is it as blissy as it actually seems? Maybe 1%. Yeah. When when you think about something happening and it actually comes true that it's that amazing, only heaven only heaven will be that. I mean, yeah. And that was the thing I kind of said to my sister was I, you know, my sister said it really well. She's like, I just keep waiting for like, when, when do I get to rest in contentment? And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if we do here. Like I just, you can be content because, mm-hmm. but like you don't get to rest there because life keeps happening. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a contentment is a choice that you have mm-hmm. to make every moment. It's not like a wave that washes over you that you get to kind of like, <laughs> you know, like it's not like a hot tub. You just get to put the jets on and just chill in contentment. It's a right. you have to get out or you're gonna die. Yeah, your your temperature will go above uh, whatever. Or it is you just, and then you'll it's just die. like a choice. You need to choose to be content in each moment. You have to find it. I have never ever mastered that. I, I've never. I don't think I can. I don't think we can here because life is still life. Well, and people I think, always say that verse. It was it Peter or Paul. Uh, I've learned. I've learned how to be content in all situations. And I'm like, you know, if it wasn't for that verse, I would feel like a normal human being. But then you have to throw something like that in there. And but I think that's I don't what think that it's means. realistic. Quite I, frankly. Well, First off, I don't think it's realistic, but I think that that's what that first means is that you have to choose. Like I have learned how to be be. be content in all situations, right? in poverty, in it, right? It wasn't like I've learned to be content. That's not what it says. I'm the chillest person ever and I'm always happy because I am. Yeah, that's not what that says. No. So I think that's where that, you know, so I think right now Mm. in the grieving process and in the, in the growing process. There is that intense anger that I'm starting that's starting to bubble up, and it's not. Mm. It, it's a it's a healthy anger. Like I'm not raging at people. I'm not angry. At, you know, I'm not taking it out on other people. But it's a it's a quiet anger of just being like, I won. You know, I wonder what my life would have been like if I had been removed. Because it could have been way worse. Maybe I had gone to a foster care system and mm-hmm. it could have been really bad. Or maybe it could have been really beautiful and I could have not been in such a, mm-hmm. you know, hole of trying to figure out life because I had healthy relationships. Yeah. You know, and my sister and I just keep talking. You know, I'm thank- I'm so thankful for her and I'm, you know, I'm thankful for you and Peter and people that I've been able to just kind of like – really just say I'm not what like even today so today was a really bad day today was a bad day I just feel like I'm in a fog Mm -hmm. but I always feel like this after heart therapy because Mm. what therapy really is is if you imagine your mental health like a flesh wound you know like 
mm-hmm. you have to you have to clean it out and it, it's it's mm-hmm. open and it's raw mm-hmm. and then you have to keep packing it and taking out a little bit and then it slowly heals from from the inside out mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not like you could just slap a band-aid on you can but it's not really healing that's where you get yucky scabs and scarring and mm-hmm. I and so that's what's happening I'm just I feel like Rach said like I got you a little snack I was like I don't even remember if I ate today mm. not I think I did because I'm not hungry like my body's not telling me my hungry but mm-hmm. I don't know like most days I'm okay getting up out of bed today was really hard for me to even get out of bed and like yeah. get dressed and like I had to run errands with Parker because it's his one only one day off and and when I'm with him and we're doing the things, it, it's all fine. Nothing's bad. I'm answering text messages. I'm going to the bank. I'm doing, mm-hmm. I'm living life, but I feel like I'm living life in a really yeah. surreal bubble yeah. because there's just this kind of awkwardy cloud that's there. That is. Well, it's for me, and I'm in a similar place of anger um, that's turning the anger sad. It's mm-hmm. mad sad that it's having like its own yeah. little pillow fight in my brain all the time in my heart. Yes. Um, it's right below the surface. And so anything that happens, I am like right on the edge of tears all the time. Yes. Which I have gone, um, usually it's about five years. I think five years was the longest time that I ever went without even crying. Like I just, I went through a long period of time where I was like very non-emotive. I was very matter of fact. It was when I had little kids, uh, not little, little kids. Cause then I was crying all the time, but then there, but there was a season right. <clears throat> where it was just like, you kind of have to keep all the balls in the air and you're tough. But then something happened and I don't remember what, and I was just like on the edge and now I'm there again where I'm like, I am living on the edge, man. Like mm-hmm. if I see a Hallmark commercial, I'm a puddle, you know, that level yeah, of like. Yeah, I found myself like watching cheesy sitcoms because I can't and I had to get off social media because I can't. I just can't. I just feel like. Right. There's nowhere left to go. Right. There's nowhere left I feel like I'm to... mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. I wrote a post. I did post something on Instagram today. That was like, I hate hiking. I hate hiking. I know people like hiking. Don't come after me. I no, hate, I hate it. it too. I, I don't like when it. my muscles have to strain to go up. I, <laughs> for me, it's totally like, I don't mind a good workout. Like, I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. What I hate about hiking is it's unknown. I'm always afraid I'm going to get hurt. I'm mm. not looking around at the flipping scenery. Are you kidding? I'm looking to where to my. I have to put my feet so they don't fall or I twist an ankle or mm-hmm. – and it does hurt and it's exhausting and I'm pushing and then you get to the top and I'm like, what do you freaking do? Someone to go up there and take a picture and show it to me. I mean, I don't <laughs> – I don't get like the oohs and the ahs. And I don't like it. I've never liked hiking. I've never liked it. It doesn't make sense to me. And I keep doing... We both have husbands that love love hiking. They love hiking. Hiking is their favorite thing. It's their favorite. And let's go hike. And I'm like, ugh. But I do think Peter said on our last hike, he said, I think for you, it's the unknown. Because if we did this trail again with friends, you would be all for it. And I was like, you know what? It is. It's the unknown of how long is this? What can I expect? What's going to be the unknown for me is, Mm. and the lack of security is what I hate. Mm -hmm. I walk 
I walk all around my sweet little town. Peter and I walk three miles, four miles, six miles. We'll go to another town. I'll walk clear anywhere. I, I Walking does not in one way strain you. Strain me. Me it's, neither. And it, this is the unknown. Mm. And... Mm-hmm. But I have to remember that I always feel better when it's over. And I, you know, I am loving my husband well. And it is pretty up there. But the foliage. But that's what counseling feels like, too. It's this yeah, unknown. Um, it's a strain. I have to keep my head in the game because I don't know what's going to come up. I don't. I don't. I don't know what question she's going to ask that's going to send me into puddles or mm. raging. I don't know what's going to trigger me. Mm. I don't know what's going to make me, you know, any of it. Mm -hmm. But I always know when I get to the top of the mental health journey of that mountain of Mm -hmm. mental health, I always know I'm doing the right thing. It's weird because I've never had a podcast while doing it. So guys, you get to... (laughs) I know, I love this. ...journey along Uh, with me. But it is incredibly... um, I just think it's really important to share that we do go to counseling and that we press in so much to being hot messes because it's just what's real. If if everyone else has got their life figured out and you guys aren't, fabulous, wonderful for you. But that is not our normal. And part of it is uh, there's reasons and other parts of it that go deep and way back. And then other Mm -hmm. parts of it is that life is hard. And I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, but it just looks that way that for everybody. And yeah. there is the exceptional, you know, person who has all the things. But uh, this, I, I, I just, I, I have to believe so. that it's still hard. There's just life is, a, is the big picture is very unknown, and that's why I'm thankful for Jesus. I, whenever I feel completely undone, and now more than ever, I can just literally be like. Okay, I don't know what's going on. I still have to, like you said, Amber, we have to get up and do the day, mm-hmm. especially as mamas and wives and people, you know, you have a career and um, <clears throat> I'm just floating in the atmosphere somewhere, but I still have to get up and do a day. And like, that's unknown. That's mm-hmm. still all unknown. And I'm thankful that I that I have, have a rock. the rock that cannot be moved, and which is the Lord. And like, I'm just so thankful for that. And I don't understand how people that don't love Jesus get through life, but but they do. And I mean, I think a large portion of them do get through it by going to counseling and finding like a support, creating that support network and where they're trying to get to the bottom of their right. emotions, things that happened to them that were not unkind and not... I think a lot of things with trauma, it's happening to you. It's coming from the outside in. And for you, it was like systemic trauma and chronically, it was just your life over and over and over and over again. And it was your normal. And so it will always be part of your story. Right. You know, and that's... And I think people in general need to just understand that to grow as a human being, we we're, we are living organisms, right? Like we are created, however you believe we're created, we are living organisms and we need to change and grow. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not growing and changing and you're stagnant, um, that's not healthy. It's not healthy for your body, your mental, your emotional, your spiritual life. And I think sometimes 
like I've always said, for me, I am also so thankful for to God and for for my faith and for you and your family helping me as a as a teenager find God and all of the things, all of the people that have helped me in my spiritual walk. I do think that a lot of times Christians in particular feel like because we have quote unquote the answer, which is the answer, we have mm-hmm. the answer to we have Christ, which I believe is the answer. That doesn't – it's not like a doesn't sheen. It, right. It's not like a veneer and mm-hmm. how everything is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a stigma, and I don't know where it came from, and I'd like to meet the person and give them a big old punch in the groin <laughs> um, that made people think that all of a sudden everything, you know, mm. you know, we all had to be sweet and – you know, happy, smile and say yes. And You mean as Christians? Yeah, as Christians. Yeah. It'd be like, no. oh, no, no, the Lord has forgiven me and he's forgiven you and we're all good. Are you nuts? Right. Like We're not. We're not. And so... We're not any different in any way. Except, except that, that we have... We and even Jesus. scripture <laughs> talks about that. Like if you... Like when people act like that, like their life is pulled together. I'm like, do you read... <laughs> the actual Bible? Like, mm-hmm. because look at David's life. Look at Paul's life. Look at Peter's life. Look at Mark. Look at Daniel. Look at, like, and we, and that's the other thing that drives me nuts is that we try to look at it and be like, be a David. Be brave. David was a philanderer. Like, he was not a great, yeah, mm. when he was a little kid, he knocked down Goliath with a pebble. That's not, like, that's mm-hmm. not where it ended, people. Like, he <laughs> right. he made a lot of mistakes. He was not a good king. He, right. like, murdered people. And, like, mm-hmm. and yet he was still a man of God's own heart. And so, like, mm-hmm. because... He wasn't any less sinful. Exactly. And the beauty of being a person is that you are messy. This is literally one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I've done a lot of hard things. Right, and it's been super triggering, and it's bringing up lots of... All the baggage. All the baggage, all the, all the baggage. bats. Yeah. You know, like, I don't I don't like mm. any of this, but this, mm. is the, this is the path that I am on, and so I just have to keep doing it as honestly and as vulnerable and as brave as I can, and so I'm just hopeful that if you are in that same state that you're in and the sad sad mad that you know acknowledge those journal it talk about it how did she how did she how did she like move into the stage of anger like what was her some of her oh i'm gonna have to sit in it for a while like again we just got started like she was was just more of an acknowledging it Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, she needed to hear the story. Like, Mm -hmm. I told her why I was there, but, like, to start there, where do you you have to begin from the beginning, you know? And so we had to talk about Mm. who I was, what I was born into, Mm -hmm. what what pile of hoo-ha was I thrown in the middle of, what, who were the major players, you know, where was where were the different abandonments amongst in along in my life so she was really good and just was like I think you need to just sit in the anger for a little bit like I which I am I'm just sitting in the anger that I don't have Mm. I I had that me and my sister 
are alone. Like we are alone in a familial way that we don't have motherly counsel and how angering that is because your mother is supposed to be like I'm a mother, like you're a mother, the things we would do for our human mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. I just sat in the DMV for two hours with one of mine. <laughs> yeah. Not fun. But we made it fun. But you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I would honestly easily lay down my life for my kids. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that I don't have that is really hard. And on top of that, that that person is actually toxic in my life and an unhealthy person and does mm. does harm and not good is like the opposite. I'm reading I'm reading the book where the crawdads sing. Such a great book. Mm. There's still a few trigger warnings in there if you if you GM me and only tell you what they are. But like anyway it's and it's about a little girl who's she's in a really abusive family and her mom leaves and she's a you know she lives in the marsh and she's a marsh girl and she keeps learning about biology and she keeps trying to find out why a mama would leave Hmm. their child Hmm. because she doesn't see it in nature right and that is because it's not normal in nature and so I think that's the anger that I'm dealing with was that that is like it's a fundamental thing and there's lots of us out there so I don't want anyone to think like I'm the only one who's has a sad story of a poor mother-daughter relationship please I know there's a lot but I think those of us who have that have to understand that the feeling that we're feeling when we feel it inside ourselves that this isn't normal it's because it's not right Yep. Like, yeah. we are genetically created to love our offspring. Right. right. And the fact that there's so many children who are poorly loved in this world is is a serious issue of systemic abuse. Yeah. Systemic poverty. Systemic... Broken families. Brokenness. Yeah. That is just... So... And if, and typically, I mean, you have been part of breaking that cycle, but typically that cycle repeats itself. If you don't acknowledge it and work through it, absolutely. Yep. And that's why people have got to stop pretending that their unhealthy relationships are healthy so that they don't have to actually deal with how unhealthy they are. You have to actually dive in. Yes. And work through them. and And care about the next generation. Who have an opportunity to break the cycle, yep. to try to educate the, the children who are hurting, but who have an opportunity to to be, to stop it. And knowing like, I know my kids will be even better at it than me. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of it because I'm not perfect at parenting at all. You just have to sit down with me for a little bit or talk to any of my children and they'll let you know, but I'm better and mm-hmm. they'll be even better. Mm-hmm. So my shortcomings and my flaws, they can grow f- and they can go to counseling and work on those things. And then they can break them even more. Like, yeah, that's the other thing. The if human- Amy was here, she'd be like, 
what does she always say? The first, first ten are on us. The first ten counseling sessions are on us. Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> to like to our kids, I will say I had a aunt, and I think I've said this on the podcast before. When my kids were little, I had this aunt, and she said, "I said something like my children, so cute." It was one of those my children. I won't like my kids won't eat McDonald's or my kids won't eat TV. Right. My, my kids, kids would never. Yeah. Right. My kids, my goal is that my kids will never need to go to counseling because I will do such, I will love them so well. And my aunt laughed at me, which I was very annoyed by. It's disgusted. And then Wait, she you stopped. Oh, she, you, you said that about your own kids a long time ago? Oh, yeah. Isn't it hilarious? <laughs> I know. Laugh at me. It's well, fine. She did. She laughed. She literally laughed at me. And she was like, mm. I was, I mean, I think I had babies at that time. And that was my goal. Like, I was going to love the crap out of these kids. And I was never going to lose my patience. And I was never going to yell. And then the Lord gave me Mustang Sally. And, and then four kids in five years all clumped up. It wasn't just Mustang Sally. It was like I had like a plethora of them. And mm. I never slept. And I was sleep. But anyway, she laughed at me. And when she saw my uh, offense, she, she <laughs> very sweetly touched my arm. And she said, actually, I think... The beauty would be if they went to counseling and you were willing to go with them and say you were sorry. And I remember like it was a light ball moment. And bulb, not a ball. It was like a light ball? (laughs) It was like an orb. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, It was like a light bulb moment to me because I had never Mm. thought of that option because that wasn't an option in my life. (laughs) Like, Sure. And it was. And I, to this day, every time I see, I don't see her very often and but every time I do see her, I try to always acknowledge that was some of the best wisdom that I have ever been given because mm. it was so enlightening to a girl who didn't realize that that could be an option, that I could mm. raise self-aware children, not perfect children. I didn't have to be a perfect mother, but I could raise self-aware children that would mm. know that they needed to unpack some of their baggage yeah. and that I would be willing to be there with them and right. walk through that with them. Because honestly, no matter, what, no matter what kind of a parent we are, culture and life and any sort of, I mean, we don't know like the exact person that they are. Like only God knows that. They still have their discover. own heart, their own thoughts, their own minds. And so it's, and they're, receiving life in the world as it is around them in their you you know extremely unique way and so you know much to some parents disappointment they don't always turn out like the way that you think they're going to based on just your parenting based on just your love based on just your environment like they will still you know anyway it's Life is hard. Life and is so hard. It's a oh. process, and I thanks for sharing some of your process with. Because I think this, I think it has tremendous value just to be open and honest. Like, yeah, I'm in counseling. Yeah, I'm a hot mess. Hmm. Yeah, I'm teetering on the edge of murder. <laughs> um, you know, and I just I would really encourage. Like, I know everyone has different life circumstances, and I'm blessed 
to have health insurance that helps me get this. But there are there are books out there. There's support groups everywhere. You can look them up. There's online support groups. There's, you know. Shout out to BetterHelp because yeah. I hear all the time on SmartList. <laughs> we don't even get paid for this, but it there's, sounds great. Yeah, like. <laughs> it's online support. You there's There are yeah. there's things to do, you know, like mm. you don't. find a best friend, like find your 2% and be vulnerable and be real and have them know that, that, that you're not doing well or that you need help and, and find if some, like, like Amy always did say, find someone older that's, that you see that has it, not has it together, but see someone out in front of you that you like where they're going going. and you want to follow in their footsteps and then find find someone behind you that's doing worse than you are and grab their hand and pull them along with you. Essentially something like that. Yeah, I think, because I do think that that's what it's about. It's about community and vulnerability and not living in with the voices in your head. No, I don't hear voices. I'm not there yet. Yeah, you are uh, a real hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's nobody like, there, honey. <laughs> but like yeah. living in your own secluded dialogue. We are, we are creatures that are meant for community. And so you are not an island. You can't be an island. You If you think of anyone, your mother, your sister, your bestie, your mailman, uh, the person who watches your kids after school, just share this podcast today with a friend and we would be so, so grateful. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.